grab your Bible and encourage somebody. I mean, you can use whatever words you decide. Just encourage somebody. Grab your Bible and encourage somebody. Encourage somebody. Encourage somebody. Let me, um, let's, let's set the stage for this. Let's set the stage for this. Um, Date is, I believe, Sunday, June 20, no, June 12th, Sunday, June 12th, 1994, Sunday, June 12th, 1994, uh, I stand here, actually maybe not here, probably right there, I stand there and I preach my first public message. Tabitha, put the picture up with the, with the, uh, yeah, put, uh, sure. So it looks something like that. That's, that's here. That's here. Uh, of course, they look much different then, look much different then. Uh, it was red, you know, those, remember the old deacon chairs, you know. Go to, go to, go to the next one. I like that one a little better. Yeah. I know. Everybody say hi to Joey. That was my official uh, preacher picture uh, that went in the ACC newspaper. Oh, yeah. 1994, baby. Uh, and I stood here and I preached my first sermon. Uh, I was licensed thereafter. Uh, this is the age of nine. So as uh, Bishop Ron here would say, I'm not new to this. <laughs> I'm true to this. <laughs> um, but decades later, decades later, I'm standing in the same place, doing the same thing, prayerfully at a higher level of excellence. Why? How? How do you start doing something at nine and then carry that out for your whole life? How? I wish I could tell you it's because I'm just so amazing. I wish I could tell you that I'm just, you know, the based. <laughs> but the reality is, is that it goes beyond me and what is intrinsic to me. The reality is, is that this is a reality that was spoken into my life before I was even born. Now, you can have conversation with my mother and those who, who knew me during my time of, of gestation and even my earlier years. Uh, this is something that was always spoken over me. The, the founder of this church, the late Reverend Dr. Joseph Lee Jr., he spoke this over me. I probably was one of the only little babies in mother's board meeting. <laughs> My grandmother at, at Baptist ministers conferences. I probably should have been in school. <laughs> but I was there. Being taught. Like that, that Bible, that, that, was, that was a, uh, that was a, a Nelson leather Bible 
had my name on it, fam. You know, had my name on it. Had the snap back and all that good stuff. It was all, you know, just right over. It was, it was amazing. All of these things poured into me. Uh, somebody called me once a, a, a child prodigy. All of these things that helped me be who I am today. So I can't take credit for where I stand or even what I do. I have to give one, ultimately give the glory to God, but I also have to give thanks to the people who poured into me and who shaped me. And so for the next four weeks or until the end of the year, I want to breathe something into this congregation concerning our children. And so even though they may not be hearing me all the way, I pray prayerfully, some of this is going to seep into these young ones. But I most certainly, every adult under the sound of my voice, I need you to really lean in, dial in, and be a part of this conversation for the next couple of weeks. Because I believe this will set the trajectory for the remainder of your child's life. Everybody say prodigy. Prodigy. For the next few weeks, this is what we're going to be talking about. A prodigy is classified as a person, especially a young one, that is endowed with exceptional qualities and abilities. Exceptional qualities and abilities. Most certainly when we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we could also look at him as a prodigy. We could look at the life of Jesus, especially as it relates to his formative years. We know everything that he was going to become and everything that he was going to do. And we, we have books and, and we, have, we, we have gospels to, to declare all of the things that he did while he was walking earth. All of that started. Even in the Old Testament when the prophets prophesied of him. And even in the New Testament, when those who we're going to be preaching about these next couple of weeks, when they had dreams and insight concerning him, even before he could do it for himself, they did it for him. And so here's what I need to encourage you. That every one of our children, whether you believe it or not, whether you want to embrace it or not, every one of our children, in my opinion, the, and let me just, uh, okay, it may sound biased, but I'm going to just say it anyway. All of these heavenly vision babies... Every one of them are prodigies. I need, if, if your child is in this room right now, I need you to look at the child nearest to you. I need you to look at the child nearest to you. I need you to look at them and look at them in their eye. If they sleep, wake them up and tell them, hey, you're a prodigy. They might not even know what it means yet, but you're going to make it clear to them. You are a prodigy. You are young and you are down with exceptional qualities. You are down with exceptional abilities. You are a prodigy. Is there anybody going to prophesy over our children quickly? You are a prodigy. You're a prodigy, mommy. You're a prodigy. Ba you are a prodigy. That baby that you're holding in your arms is a prodigy. That child that, 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 that we don't even know yet, they are prodigies. And now, and, and I was wrestling with what we were going to preach for the end of the year, and, and the Holy Spirit just led to me and said, this is what I need. All of my parents to know about my babies. 
They are prodigies, and we're going to treat them as such. We're going to look at the life of Jesus, and we're going to see how the people in his life, what they did to help him become the prodigy that he ultimately became. And we're going to apply those principles to our life so that we can help our children, and here it is, even some of us adults, become the prodigies that God intended for us to be. It's not too late. Because you are a child of God. (laughs) And so we're going to put our babies first. And then we as spiritual parents, we're going to keep looking out for others. Let's go to the scripture. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read verses 18 through 25. And then we're going to talk about it and go home. Okay? (laughs) Matthew chapter 1. Starting at verses 18 through 25. When you have it, say amen. 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 All of those you can, we're going to stand for the reading of our Lord and Savior's word. My grandfather, the late Reverend Dr. Joseph Lee Jr., you'll probably hear me talking about him, and I'll probably be weaving through uh, my upbringing throughout this series. Uh, He would always teach us, when you open the Bible, you open God's mouth. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, You either have it in your hand or you can look at it on the screen. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put to her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which she is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son And he called his name Jesus. Today in this first installment, we want to talk about identity and purpose. Identity and purpose. Identity and purpose. Especially those of you, uh, parents, as you have new new mothers, new dads, uh, you're you're getting ready to get married and, and, you know, know, gain some children. Amen. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> whatever, whatever, wherever you are, I need you to lean in. And I need you to hear these principles. When we look at the birth of Jesus, as Matthew is beginning to lay it out to us as it relates to the birth of Jesus, Matthew, uh, unlike the other gospel writers, he does not give much attention to Mary as much as he does give attention to Joseph. When you look at it in other gospel writers, you will, you will see the, the conversation that Mary has and, and everything that Mary's going through. But Matthew, on the other hand, he turns the camera lens around to the other side and he says, I need to talk to the brother. 
And so as we start this series, I need to talk to the brothers. I need to talk to the men. I need to talk to the fathers. Ladies, you keep listening because there'll be some principles that you need to extract from this as well. But brothers, I need you to hear me. Identity and purpose for our children are locked up in us. This is why you either decide to be in their life or not. And here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not throwing shit on anybody. If you know you can't and you know you shouldn't, then don't. Don't mess up that child's life. Let God raise up another man that you couldn't be. Because you will be responsible for their identity and their purpose. And so we have to know, dads, right at the ready. We are responsible for their identity and their purpose. And if you're coming into the relationship, thank you, sir. If you're coming into the relationship and there's already been a dad, here's what I need you to do. Redefine identity and purpose. That's, that's not biblical. You a lie. There's no rights for a baby daddy in the scripture. Now, now, now I, I know we go. I, I just, I, we just got to break up the follow ground because you know, <laughs> Hallelujah. Whoever you're in covenant with, that's who covers you. And whoever covers you, should have the responsibility of covering everything that comes from you. You should not give the responsibility to cover that which come from you for somebody who's not covering you. I have no problem with co-parenting. I have no problem with, with blended families. But what I, I need everybody to understand is that whoever the husband is, whoever the man of the house is, his word stands. We just got to get some stuff straight because it's going to be a good Christmas. Amen? Amen. 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 We're not about to have all these crazy, you know, Christmases. You know, already said what he can't have. And then he go to his daddy's house. He won't get it. Oh, that's my side. Listen. You should have kept her. Y'all still my friend, right? Okay. Because it is, watch this. Especially if he's the man that God put in your life. If he's the man that God put in your life, then he's the only one that God's going to talk to concerning you and your children. This, this is just spiritual truth. Now, you don't, don't put on, okay, we're going to move from this. Don't put on God your mistake and then think God has to acquiesce to your failure in relationship. God's going to always honor covenant. He's going to always honor order beyond our mistakes now again I, i'm not throwing shade at, at, at any baby that i'm not this is not what i'm doing if, if if god grants you the space and the grace to do so do so do so be who god called you to be but all i need you to understand is for, for, for the purposes of this message is that the husbandman the the man who's going to stand in that space whoever that brother is you have a responsibility to oversee purpose and identity or identity and purpose. Does that make sense? 
Okay. We, we love everybody. We want to, we, we're going to be family. Everybody's welcome to the house, hopefully. Amen? If we know how to, if we know how to you know, do relationship. Everybody can come to the house and we can we can build relationship with everybody. But whoever is in that covenant space has the responsibility for identity and purpose. If you if if we got questions, get at me later. (laughs) But the reality is, is that God will honor covenant always, always. And as we look at this text, we want to apply these principles that that. Even Joseph had to wrestle with. Starting at verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, that means they were engaged. Before they came together, that means before they consummated their marriage. (laughs) She was found with child from the Holy Spirit. So now you've got a woman pregnant. And she's not pregnant by the dude that she's engaged to. (laughs) And here's what I love about Joseph. Read this, 19. And her husband Joseph, come on, they were betrothed, engaged, set to be married, but they weren't married yet. But Matthew defines him as her husband. I didn't, it's not even meant to be a relationship series, but I guess it's just weaving through here. You need to understand, sir, that you have a responsibility for them before you even meet them at the altar. The moment you give them the ring, the moment you ask, will you, you have. I'm going to say that again. The moment you ask, will you, you already have. And so he's already operating as a husband, or in other words, as a covering, as a shield, as a protector, as a provider for her. And that needs to be our responsibility as well, sirs. We need to operate in that reality. We need to begin to live in that truth. We need to see ourselves as that for her and even for those that will come from her. Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her Quietly, brothers, there will be seasons when we will make resolutions to do something that is not the will of God. Look at verse 20. But as he considered these things, stop right there. He resolved to divorce her quietly, and then he began to consider it. Let me put this in here, and, I, I, and this is just for, for every man and for every woman. Everything that you resolve to do and everything that you consider is not necessarily the will of God. And so you, there, should be a, a, there should be a healthy gap between you conceiving a thought, considering a thought, resolving a thought, and saying a thought. Does that make sense to anybody? So put some space between this thing. Just because it's up in there don't mean it need to come out of here. So just take some time and think about it. Take take some time and and, and just give give that thing some some space. And even if you resolve that this is what I want to do, this is what I want to be, this is where I want to go, still give space to the Holy Spirit. 
Because notice, before he went to marry again, before he went to say, okay, listen, this is what we're going to do. I've, I've, dis I've discerned in my mind, this is what I think we should do. I'm not going to put you on blast. I'm just going to, you know, we're going to put you away quietly. We're going to send you to the country, you know. And we and we just gonna and it's just gonna be done. We not we not gonna worry about it. You know, I'll, I'll put some space between it, then I'll find somebody else. As he is considering these things, although it may be what is, what is what is nice, what 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 would be honorable, it wasn't the will of God. God doesn't honor everything that you like. God does not honor everything that you like. God does not honor every prescription you make for your own situation. He doesn't. Sometimes God will laugh at us. Because we're, we're making our decision. He, he made his consideration. He made his resolution. He made his plan based on what he's seen. Do not base your decisions solely off sight. There needs to be wisdom. There needs to be insight. There needs to be grace given. There needs to be a prophetic unction over the decisions you make. There needs to be consideration made for what you can't see. I'm going to say this again. When you're making your consideration based on what you see, make sure you build in considerations for that which you cannot see. Make sure you consider what is unknown. In the business world, they're called contingencies. There are some things that you cannot account for. And so before he opened his mouth, before he made these plans, before he put Mary away, he went to sleep. And here's the next thing I need to put this in your mind, brother. Sleep on it. Not sleep with it, sleep on it. Sleep on it. And what I mean by that is give space for the Holy Spirit to speak. And for most of us, our most silent time is when we're asleep. But even if it's not sleeping, give time for meditation. Give time for silent reflection. Give time to still yourself so that you can hear from the Holy Spirit concerning the thoughts that you have. Because your thoughts are not divine. His ways are, but our thoughts are not divine. Our thoughts are, 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 are not, listen, our thoughts are an amalgamation of our paradigms. Everything that we've seen, everything that we've experienced, everything that we've studied, everything that we've gone through, all of those things together, they marry to make up our thoughts. This is why the Apostle Paul challenged us to let this mind be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. But notice this. After he had considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which she is conceived is of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I need you to understand. Ah, this, 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 this is going to be. Okay, this may end up being controversial. God can redeem your sin and make on purpose what you defined as an accident. God, see, now pray for me. 
<laughs> stay with it. Stay, stay, stay with it. God can redeem your sin and give purpose and identity to what you may or others may have classified as a mistake. We don't have to trade stories on how we got here. We don't have to trade stories about the relationship between our mothers and our fathers. But what we have to understand is that by the divine providence of God, death was not our portion. And if we fought through the choice of abortion, and if we fought through, and I'm, I'm saying we, but I'm saying those who were responsible for us. If we fought through the, the infant mortality rate. If, if we fought through the different emergency births that many of us claim. There has to be a reason why God allowed you to get through all of that and be alive. And so... Let your mother and your father deal with their issues. As a mother and a father, segregate your mistake from your child's existence. That's hard. That's hard. That's, that's going to be tough to deal with because you see him. And in order to see them, you got to see her. And that's tough. And you got to deal with that. But beyond that, you have to arrive at the reality that there is an identity and a purpose that is in this child that is exclusive of your mistake. Am I okay, mama? Okay. <laughs> you know, I check with my wife. You know what I mean? Sure don't go too far, Reverend. Listen, you have to know that God redeems all things. He does. He does. He does. So we, 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 we have to understand that we cannot fear engaging in relationship simply because we may not understand or have issue with how a child was conceived. I want to get that clear because I, now, it may not even have a hint of reality in heavenly vision. But if you study the church long enough, you will know that there is a great history of pushing children aside, of reducing their existence, of belittling their identity and their purpose because they may have come under strained circumstances. And if you don't believe me, come on, some of you 30, 40-year-olds that may not have been born under the best circumstances, you have had to fight through. Talk to me in the church as we have this conversation with one another. We have had to fight through identity issues because the old folk around us didn't frame it right. And even in our adulthood, we wrestle th with things with us and our children because proper identity and purpose has not been classified. Now, let me say this, and I'm leaving it alone. I am not giving anybody the excuse not to deal with their mistakes. But what I am telling you is, is that 
in dealing with your mistakes, you cannot allow your children, hear me, to forego their identity and their purpose for the sake of you being comfortable in your space. You have to resolve to say, no matter how this thing happened, no matter what's going on, I have to believe that if God brings this child to pass, that he has an identity and a purpose that I have to attend to. And I must do that regardless of how they arrived and the vehicles that brought them to be. I got to deal with this. I got to understand that this child has an identity and a purpose. If God allowed them to reach into existence, then he has a purpose. He has a will. He has an identity. And I cannot mar that identity by my guilt. I cannot mar their identity by my shame. I cannot mar their purpose because of what failed in my life. I'm standing here preaching you not just something I've read, but something I know. I thank God that the only thing that's ever been fed to me was this is who I was. And this is where you will be. And this is what God put you on this earth for. My grandfather, my family, they, they poured a reality into me that was a void of anything else that would hinder my preparation for my purpose. And parents, you have to create an environment. Here it is. Argue on your time. Fuss on your time. Be belligerent and deal with all of the issues on your time. But in the presence and the ear gate of that infant, you have to speak identity and purpose. Otherwise, they will grow with an impediment in their spirit and their soul. Making them feel as if they are a mistake, they are unwanted, and they should not be here. Which gives seed, we're moving, which gives seed to a spirit of suicide that is prevalent, watch this, in most of our millennials whose predecessors or whose parents or the generation before them had a massive rate of unwed births. You got to deal with this thing systematically. You have to deal with it systemically. You have to understand that because of that, it allowed certain things to be breathed into the children that now they wrestle with. They have to wrestle with the conversation that you had about considering abortion. They have to wrestle with these ideas. And so what you have to do is sterilize an environment so that they can be raised, understanding their identity and their purpose. This is too heavy for the end of the year. Pray for us. <laughs> do not fear. And that is a principle I need every husband and every wife, every woman, every man to understand, every mother, every father. Do not fear engaging simply because of how they were conceived. This is what the angel says. Do, don't be afraid to marry her simply because the Holy Spirit made her pregnant and not you. 
Because there is identity and purpose that is in this child's life that I need you to unlock. We're moving now. 21. She will bear a son and you shall call her name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Isn't it ironic that we're preaching about a baby and there's so many babies in this room. I'm, I'm just going, you know, where they were bearing wounds before. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going, all right, I'm going to go because that's a good place to shout. And all this took place so that what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Here it is. Now we're seeing identity. He will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Here it is. The reason why I, I, want to, I want to amplify our understanding of the prophetic in this church is because every child that is born, every person that is born, I believe there is a prophetic grace that's upon their life. I believe there is a, there is a word of prophecy that has already been written over that child before that child comes to be. I believe there is a word that has been spoken over your life before your existence. And many of us, we don't acquiesce to what the prophetic word is, but in, instead, watch this, we, we acquiesce to what the common word is. Don't allow your child to be identified by the common word. Allow your child to be identified by the prophetic word. This is going to make sense. Hear me, because some of us, God is about to lay us down and start giving us dreams. God is about to start showing us things that, that, that concern our children. I feel God. God is about to give us insight and wisdom concerning our children. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us so that we know how to lead them. Watch this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's what the prophet says. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, comma. I need you to catch this before we go to 25 and we end this sermon. As the Lord begins to speak concerning your children, I need you to defy your comfort to do what God said concerning them. My parents, my grandparents, by no stretch of imagination, were millionaires. Although some people said they were, because Pastor Lee dressed like he was. But they sacrificed to put me in the right schools. They sacrificed to, to give me a formation of faith. Because they understood that this is where I was going to stand for the rest of my life. And I'm just talking about this physical space, but I'm talking about this identity, this purpose. Parents. Do not sacrifice your children's destiny for your present comfort. Your money will have to be adjusted after this series. No, serious. You will have to consider where will I educate my children? Am I putting my sons and my daughters in a place that will properly prepare them for their purpose? Am I putting my, listen, here it is. This is going to challenge who you let keep your children. Am I putting my children in the care of somebody that will affirm their identity? Am I allowing an atmosphere for my children that constitutes the identity that God created them to have? Now, here's what many of us have to be challenged with. 
we have to be challenged with the fact that in order for me to help them fulfill their identity and purpose, it will challenge what I want to do. Yes, it will. Can I, can I, can I be honest with you? Uh, uh, we moved into a pretty nice neighborhood, and I'm excited about the neighborhood that we moved in. And there's a school literally a block away from my house. And I contested with my wife. And me and my wife, we had serious conversations. That's what they were, serious conversations. About, listen, I, why don't they just go to this school? It's a block away. I don't have to get in the freeway and fight the traffic every day to take them to this school. But I have to consider, and I've had to, I've had to relent, to ask myself, but how is this helping them build their purpose? Inconveniences me, yes, but is it for their purpose? Will, will, will this put them in an environment where they will understand different cultures? Will this teach them languages that in certain places they may not even learn or be introduced to? Will this cause them to understand a context that in other places they may not have? You have to ask yourself that question. There are certain things that I want to have, certain things that I want to drive, certain ways that I want to dress, and we all say that. But we have to ask ourselves, Will this impede my child's purpose? So he says, everything that the angel told me to do, I did it. Now here's my question. As the Spirit of the Lord begins to command you concerning your children, are you willing to do it? Even if it puts you at a place of uncomfort, even if it puts you at a place to where your plans will be adjusted. Even if it means that you will have to rearrange your budget. Even if it means you will have to rearrange your social schedule. Even if it means that they can't be with people more than they're with you. If that means that you may have to take a new job. And we may have to move to a new area. And we may have to make some grave sacrifices if God commanded you to do it. Now, let me make this clear before we end this message. I'm not talking about keeping up with the Joneses. I'm not talking about acquiesce to a social standard. Because some of us, we could take the money that we put on their feet and their backs and reappropriate it. But that's another sermon. Hallelujah. We're not talking about money this week. Amen. But we have to ask ourselves, what am I willing to sacrifice for the sake of my child's purpose? The Bible says that he knew her not. In other words, whoo, help us fathers. He sacrificed his comfort with his wife. For the purpose of setting clear identity for his child. Now, I'm going to be clear. I don't ever believe, hallelujah, that a husband should put his children before his wife. They're going to grow up and leave you. I promise they will. They may come back. <laughs> but they're going to leave. 
But here's the principle that the Bible, because everything that the Bible says, it says it for a reason. Here's the principle. That he operated in discipline to fortify his child's identity. And some of us, our children right now are wrestling with their identity and they're wrestling with their purpose. Not because they don't have identity, not because they don't have purpose, but because they have parents that are undisciplined. He said, I'm going to wait. I'm not, I'm not going to do what everybody else does. I'm going to discipline myself because this child has a purpose that I have to fortify by my discipline. Every child that is born in this house and every child that is born to the people of God in general, they have an identity that you have to contend with God to find. Don't just allow yourself to name a child of how you feel. Contend with the Holy Spirit and get identity. And then as they are born, there is going to be a purpose that is going to be unlocked by your discipline in their life. Your child will be as disciplined, not as you discipline them, but as you mirror discipline to them. I know children that get beat all day and night, and they're still terrible. Like, they wake up, ah, you know, they wake up getting whooped. You know what I mean? Like, go to sleep. you got to whoop them to put them to sleep. Like, that's a sedative. It's like, I know it's going to put you to sleep with my belt. Like, and they still have no discipline. But instead of putting it on the child, we have to understand that maybe the parents lack discipline. And maybe what I'm nurturing my child with is my lack of discipline. And that's what they're feeding off of. So Dave, so, so, excuse me, so, so, so Joseph operates in discipline. And as he operates in discipline, she gives birth to a son, listen to this, and he calls his name Jesus. Here's, here's how, here's how we, we close this. I need you to grab this as reality. I need you to hold this firm to you. Your child's identity, parents, is in your hands. It's not in the hands of media. It's not in the hands of culture. It's not in the hands of folk who, who said they got your back and they're going to help you. It's in the hands of the one who God gives the children to. And if you feel as if your hands are inadequate, don't worry, we all feel that way. But you have to submit your will to the will of the Father. Listen to this. God chose this process to bring forth the Savior of the world. And he will use the same process to bring forth little prodigies who will be the saviors of their world. Imagine that child that's in your hands right now is going to be a prodigy, a savior. Imagine those children that you say, I can't stand them. 
that you yell at and, and send them to their room, that child, that child is going to change a generation. It's, if you gather here and you say, man, I love my bishop. Ooh, I thank God for my bishop. Ooh, my bishop be preaching the word. He be worshiping. Amen. I, you know, I thank God for this church. Thank God. For, I too. It's one of those babies, just like the baby you're holding right now, just like the child that's, the child that's next to you. I too was, was right there. And the people in my life had a choice to make. What would we speak over him? Now, where would I be if I was identified as a mistake? If it was spoken over me continuously that I was a failure. If it was spoken over me that, that I was no better than my daddy. If it was spoken over me that I would never amount to this, that, or the other. If everything that was on me was a product of somebody's emotions around me. I would not be standing here right now preaching to you about a Jesus who's in your child's life right now who wants to do the same thing in your child. I don't know where your son is going to stand, but I know God has a space for him. I don't know where your daughter is going to stand, but I know God has a space for her. And I'm encouraging you as a man, as a woman of God right now to take the responsibility to seek God for identity and for purpose, and to speak that over them. Is this making sense to anybody? The Savior of the world. The Savior of the whole earth. <laughs> he could have just brought him down like a golden fleece diaper. You know what I mean? Just, 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 uh, just a baby falling from the sky so gently. No, but he used... He used Family matters. And he made real people with real decisions. He brought him in a blended family scenario. To show him and to show us that I can redeem all. And so as we study the, the, the birth and the gestation of the early years of Jesus Christ, I want you to take a different look at your child. I want you to look at your baby different. I want you to look at them young men, that young women. I want you to look at them different and allow even the story of Jesus to become their story so that they can become who Jesus has intended for them to be. We together? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every child in this room. Father God, I thank you for the children, even of those that may be watching. Father, above all things, we thank you for letting Jesus come in this unique way that parallels to so many of us so that we could have a point of reference. And even as Joseph had to make a decision, Father God, allow us men Allow us husbands to make a decision. Allow us to step up as fathers. Allow us to step up as husbands and be the progenitors, be, be the deliverers of identity and purpose for our children. 
God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would begin to make hard decisions, Father God, that we will be able to walk in discipline, Father God, in order to make a context whereby their identity and their purpose is strengthened and developed and protected. God, even in this Yuletide season, even in this season of Advent, Father God, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Father God, we want to celebrate the birth of our children and celebrate the fact that there is a divine purpose in their life that we will contend with the Holy Spirit to understand. And we will let that understanding inform how we talk to them. We will let that understanding inform how we dress them. We will let that understanding inform how, how, how we operate with them, where we educate them, how we educate them, who we allow them to be with, who we allow them to be in the care of, Father God. We will allow that understanding to inform the context for each child's life. We commit to the discipline of doing so. And it is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did this word mean anything to anybody? Enjoy the message. Share what you gain by leaving a review. Leaving a review helps us to share the gospel with others. And here at Heavenly Vision, that is our vision. To reach, save, strengthen, and mature. We love you. Have a great week.